The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. Also, my cat Peep is here in my lap, so she might scream a few times. I know in the last episode, well, that came out today, the day we're recording this, there was a few times where Peep meowed. I don't know if you'd notice it, but it's definitely there while I was talking. (laughs) (laughs) I don't often hear it, though. She must be very quiet. (laughs) When When we record on this on discord it usually can filter her out but then on the other one that we are testing it picked her up a few times and sometimes i could edit out but one time towards the end it's like while i'm talking she just really likes to chat and be involved <laughs> got fomo <laughs> uh-huh. um so yeah our episode on love has one came out today got a lot of good feedback about it already Someone said that they um, spit out their coffee when when we mentioned Robin Williams' (laughs) spirit. It seems like it's been a hot topic. There's lots of debate already about kind of the techniques and... um, Alternative medicine. I feel like you should say it. (laughs) Alternative medicines that they used and I guess the extent that Amy Carlson used them. So it's very interesting. I I feel like sometimes with cases like that, you're not entirely sure how into it people will be, but I feel like that one is just so out there. Everyone's a bit mind blown by everything that went on. Yeah. um, It's funny because on Instagram, there's been really no fighting or people being rude. It's always (laughs) on Facebook. I don't know what it is. It's just, I guess, a different crowd. I don't know. It's it's a very different dynamic on on both platforms. Why I stay on Instagram these days, mostly. (laughs) I feel like Facebook has been especially wild this week. I don't know why, what's going on. I even said, is it a full moon? Because it seems like everyone's a bit crazy and there's like, there's been a lot of big, bigger cases happening this week, which I feel like there hasn't been for a while. So um, yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah. Life has just been crazy this week. Work's been crazy. Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. (laughs) That was very unexpected. (laughs) I know you were, you were watching it live. I know, I like it was because it's a Monday. The Oscars are always on a Monday morning here, like Monday or Monday lunchtime. So I was actually sitting and doing podcast stuff, watching the Oscars, and I was like, "What is going on? Did that really just happen? It was crazy." <sighs> yeah, now it's everywhere. So there's been one kind of bigger case that is emerging now. It's from a case in Florida about a missing woman called Cassie Carley. Um, she's still missing as of the time of recording. And basically she was in a bit of a, I think, custody dispute with her ex. She'd written online about how he was abusive and different things like that. Anyway, she's been missing. It's now March 31 USA time when we're recording. She's been missing since March 27. Her daughter was also missing, but has since been found with the father. So I feel like we can all kind of see where this is going um, but at the time that we, you know, that I'm telling you all about this, she is still missing. So we've got a blog that Nikki did. We've got a page post, like we've got lots of information. If that's a case that you'd like to have a look into, seems like it's gaining a lot of traction, um, and a lot of media attention at the moment. I haven't read much about it yet, but I'm going to, it seems mysterious. 
Yeah, it's it is mysterious, but it's also probably not. Like it's one of those cases where where you just wonder how is this actually still happening? Like you feel like the answer must be so obvious, but she's still missing. So we begin with the tragic update to the missing Florida mother we first told you about last week. Officials tell us that Cassie Carley was found in a shallow grave in an Alabama barn. Her ex-boyfriend, who was a suspect, is already in jail. Eddie, your size Nico Clemens starts us off tonight in the Tampa newsroom with the very latest. Nico, good evening to you. Hey, just an absolute tragedy for this family and especially Carly's four-year-old daughter who will now grow up without a mother. So it's not the ending that we wanted. A heartbreaking end to a week-long search for Cassie Carley. Detectives say they found the mother Saturday night, identifying her by a single tattoo. I mean, it gives them some closure that, that they know where she's at now, but still it's their daughter. I mean, you know, daughter and sister, and it is terrible. The Santa Rosa Sheriff says Carly's ex-boyfriend is connected to the property where detectives found her. He's charged with tampering with evidence and giving false information. The sheriff says he is not cooperating. It's, it's your baby's mother and she's missing and you're not going to cooperate with authorities. That's kind of telltale. Carly's family says she has shared concerns about her ex-boyfriend for some time. She's always said, if something happens to me, it's him. All right. Um, well, speaking of missing females, that's going to be what we're talking about today. <laughs> um been a big case over the last week. I, I'm surprised actually it hasn't been bigger. I'm talking about um, Naomi Irian, which if you follow us on social media, you've definitely seen us posting about it. She was abducted from a Walmart in her car. But I'm surprised. I feel like this didn't get as much media attention as I thought it would have. Yeah, I don't know why. I, like it was, I feel like relatively big, but yeah, definitely not you know, it, it was, it could have been a case that was absolutely, you know, massive. And for some reason, it just wasn't picked up as much as I would have expected either. Yeah. Like, I, I know Gabby Petito was like a phenomenon, but I still thought it wouldn't reach that level. But at least it's, I haven't even seen it in too much like mainstream news on TV. Sometimes I know something's big when it's not local to me. It's on my local news. So, like, this hasn't been on my local news or anything like that. Mm. Not yours either, I'm guessing, in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> not that I've actually seen. Gabby always made the news here as well. But, I, yeah, I haven't seen this one either here in Australia or, yeah, in recently yeah. anyway. I feel like it could also be because police haven't let out too, too much info yet about what happened. Maybe once they start saying what they suspect happened, then that may grab more attention. And I do also feel that in Gabby's case, a lot of it kind of blew up because it was all public. They had their, you know, their YouTube, there was, everything was open. Whereas in this case, Naomi's kind of social media and the social media of everyone else involved is a bit more closed and private. So there's not as much to actually discuss in terms of that aspect of the case. Yeah, that's true. All right, so I guess we'll start from the beginning. So I've been following this case kind of from when it started, which was March 12. Um, And when I started to write the notes for this, Naomi was still missing. Yesterday, there was a massive update in the case, which I'm sure a lot of you are aware of. So I just wanted to kind of give you that as a preface into how we approached the notes for this episode. It was written real time as the case was ongoing. 
Um, and then we've added in the most recent updates towards the end. Right. Drive around Fernley, Nevada, and you'll see the billboards and the flyers. They're everywhere. This small, normally quiet city is on edge ever since 18-year-old Naomi Arion was kidnapped from a Walmart parking lot on March 12th. In surveillance video, you see the suspect seeming to stalk the parking lot where Naomi was parked and waiting for a shuttle to take her to work. That's the moment her family's world changed forever. And then when he turns and he squares his shoulders and he's staring at her car. Oh, I got such chills. It was like that moment when a lion spots its prey and is about to pounce. Knowing Naomi the way you know her better than anyone, is she the type that would fight or is no. she the type that would? Naomi is a f like a deer in the headlights. She freezes. Naomi Irian went missing from Lyon County, Nevada on March 12th, 2022. Some background info about Naomi. She was born and raised in the Houston, Texas area. Her parents are Diane and Herb Irian. She has two older siblings, Tamara Cartwright, and a brother named Casey Valley, who is 32. She also has three younger brothers who were adopted from Irpin, Ukraine, near Kiev. We've read that she has six siblings, so there might be another one that's not really been mentioned publicly. Also, could just be wrong. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> the family had been living in South Africa because Herve works for the U.S. Department of State and the U.S. Embassy in Pretoria. Just as kind of a note before we move on, I have seen in a lot of media articles, they say that Naomi wasn't from the USA, but she was, essentially. She was born there, I think, and she was raised in Texas. Um, but they did move when she was 13 to start kind of living overseas and moving to different places. So... If you see that kind of discrepancy, I think that's where that comes from because she'd only recently returned to the U.S. after living abroad for maybe five years or something like that. Yeah. Naomi recently graduated from the American International School of Johannesburg in South Africa. Following her graduation, she decided to move to Nevada to live with her brother for a gap year before going to university. She'd only been in the Fernley, Nevada area since August 2021. And she got a job at Panasonic, and her mother has said she was tapped for leadership positions. Naomi only obtained her driver's license after moving back to Nevada, as she had been unable to do so while living overseas because she wasn't a citizen. Her mother said she was so excited to get her license and have a car and do all the things that all the American kids get to do that she's never gotten to. Before moving to Nevada last year, Naomi lived all over the world. Her dad is a U.S. diplomat, and Naomi grew up in Russia, Germany, and South Africa, always heavily guarded on an American diplomatic compound. So Naomi was used to sort of a, would you say, like a sheltered life in some ways? or We a secure are very protected. We, ha we live in a very secure compound with 12-foot walls with razor wire that's electrified on top. We have armed guard at our gate. Everybody has to show ID in order to get in. All of, our all of our windows and doors have, you know, steel bars. In August, Naomi left that world for Fernley, just outside Reno, Nevada, to live with her brother. Things were going great. Uh, she has her own car, has a job. Uh, she was saving up money uh, in order to get her own place. Naomi's normal routine was to drive to the Fernley Walmart and park her car there, where then she would wait to get a shuttle to her workplace at Panasonic. It seems like it's kind of weird and people have asked about it. I feel like all the employees park there because it was like a shuttle 
meant to bring them to Panasonic or something? Yeah, so I have seen the same, that a lot of Panasonic employees kind of parked at the Walmart. I think the Walmart may be a little bit rural, like it's not in a built-up area, so I guess there's quite a lot of available parking. And they'd get the shuttle to Panasonic in Reno, which I think is around half an hour away from the Walmart. Um, So I guess, you know, I guess that saves them gas, probably saves them having to pay for parking that might be the reason why a lot of them did it. And I think there were a lot of shift workers as well at Panasonic. So I guess it kind of makes sense if they're all starting at the same time and, you know, they have enough to have a shuttle bus, I guess. Yeah, it seems weird, but I guess it was normal for them for that yeah. situation. It's also seems like there's a lot of rural spots around there, like you were just saying. So maybe Panasonic's kind of just out of the way in the middle of nowhere. So not a lot of the employees actually live too close to it and live closer to where the Walmart is. I don't know. It's the way it is there, I guess. But that's why she went there every day, waited for the shuttle. I've seen a lot of questions about it, like what what was she doing at the Walmart? And yeah, so it, but it seems like it was her normal routine to park there whenever she had a shift at work. Yes. On Saturday, March 12th, 2022, she did exactly what she did every day. And she went to the Walmart. She stopped to buy an energy drink. And this is the last time that her Bank accounts were used, and there was images of her captured purchasing the drink on CCTV. You might have seen those images. She's kind of seen wearing a blue Panasonic shirt with a grey, like, long cardigan. She's got her wallet. She's at the counter buying the drink. Looks like a gas station or something like that. So, um, yeah, yeah, you probably would have seen those photos if you followed this case at all. And they clocked her pulling into the Walmart parking lot around 5 a.m., crazy early <laughs> and i'm so early <laughs> yeah. i like wine if i have to go into work at seven i couldn't imagine having to like be there and ready at 5 a.m i know so yeah that would be up at 4 a.m or whatever it's very early no thank you <laughs> it seems like naomi pulled in and was sitting in her car waiting for the shuttle seems like the shuttle usually arrived between 5 30 and 5 40 a.m from what we've seen people say online her brother casey said She always parked in the same exact spot and she always got there early so she could, you know, do social media stuff before she went to work and catch up with her friends that are in different time zones. So the police, later on when they did a a press conference, they released um, a timeline of kind of what was going on while she was at Walmart. So we'll just go over that now. So at 5.09, Naomi parks at the Fernley Walmart from 5.09 to 5.23. She's active on social media. But then at 5.23, it seems like something happened because that's her last Snapchat ping. And it's kind of when she stopped being on social media, they said, like everything ceased. And right at 5.24, a minute later, the suspect is at her vehicle. So maybe she saw him approaching and got weirded out. 5.25, Naomi's vehicle leaves the Walmart parking lot. It literally happened in a minute or two. It's crazy how quickly it happened. Yeah. All right. Back to Naomi. So it seems like what happened, according to CCTV, is that someone, a man, approached Naomi's car and opened the passenger, I mean, opened the driver's side door and she moved over to the passenger seat and this person got into the driver's seat and drove away, which seems kind of strange. There's CCTV footage of a man lingering around the parking lot kind of before Naomi got there. That was released, and 
It's described as, it shows a person walking from a nearby homeless camp and lurking around vehicles before getting into the driver's seat of Naomi's car and then driving away with Naomi in the passenger seat. So it's kind of weird that this guy would just approach her car. I don't know if he said something to her or what would make her move over, but she seemingly just moved right over into the passenger seat. Her sister, Tamara, has said... Someone came up to her while she was in the driver's seat, said or did sign that made her move to the passenger seat, and then they drove away. Her brother said she's not a fighter, meaning the guy who pushed her into a car, she froze. The guy didn't push her into the car, to be clear. I think he just kind of phrased that wrong. Yeah. He went on to say she didn't do anything, she just froze. He also wanted to clarify, because they did say the person was seen walking from the direction of a homeless camp. Of course, the media and people online kind of automatically took that to assume the person was a homeless person, so they did take the time to clarify that. He said, we're not saying that this person was necessarily a homeless person. He came from that direction. And he finished off by saying, this person did say or do something to Naomi to make her move over from the driver's side to the passenger side. When her brother said that she's not a fighter, I've seen it. I think it's her mother has kind of reiterated that as well many times. They're like, basically, she would just not attempt to fight back or attempt to, you know, do anything. She probably would have just given in and been kind of pushed along by whatever this guy did or said to her. She wouldn't have tried to escape the situation. Yeah, her family kind of gives the impression of her that, maybe not that she's vulnerable, but very naive almost or I was going to say vulnerable. vulnerable is the right word yeah that was when you were I knew what you were going to say and my thinking is that they they made out that she was kind of vulnerable naive maybe more easily led and a bit more submissive I guess you know she wouldn't attempt to escape basically yeah and they did also mention in some interviews or online that she did live not maybe like a more sheltered life. She didn't really get to do all the things that other kids got to do because her father did work for the State Department and things like yeah. that. And she lived overseas where she wasn't a citizen. So she there's a lot of things that she couldn't do. And I guess to coming from South Africa to where I know in other episodes we've discussed there's quite a high crime rate and, you know, maybe they're a little bit more careful living in South Africa. So this might have been the first time that she had more freedom, you know, freedom to do things, do what she wanted, kind of interact with who she wanted. So it might have been a bit of a period of learning for her. Yeah, like she let her guard down a little. Yeah, maybe not as street smart as she should have been, maybe. Yeah. But then also on the flip side, I was thinking about it. I'm like, what could this guy have done to make her move over? I don't know if it, we don't know if this was someone she knew or anything like that. But I was just thinking if someone, if I was sitting in my car and someone walked up, opened my door, scared the crap out of me and had like a weapon a gun or a knife or something and just threatened you to get into the passenger seat i don't know what i would do in that moment i think i think kind of your only option in some situations is to move over to the passenger seat and then maybe try to get out the passenger door very quickly because then at least the vehicle is between the two of you but if you think about it that way it might not be so weird yeah, I feel like too that the kind of the quickness that this all happened, like it literally happened in a minute. I feel like that also led to a bit of speculation online about maybe she did know the person and this was set up because essentially how could this happen in one minute so quickly? Someone walks up to the car, she gets into the passenger seat and they drive off. Like it, it does sound very unusual that that is how it would have gone down. 
Yeah. But that's what also made me think of maybe she was looking down her phone and he just totally snuck up on her and scared her. And that's why she just quickly moved over because she wasn't even expecting it. Whereas maybe if she saw this weird guy lingering around for like a couple minutes, she could have like messaged her friends or kind of thought about what she would do. So I don't know. There's just a lot of things that could have happened that we don't really know yet. That's what I was going to say. There's a lot of unknowns. So he very well could have had a gun or a knife and be like, move over. And she'd be like, oh, shit. Okay. Okay. I'll just do it. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I, you know, I guess you never know how you're going to react in a situation like that. Yeah. Her brother also said that to him, it looked like a clear abduction. Online, he said, I just want everyone to know that I'm doing everything I can. Please feel free to reach out with any information. I'm working directly with Lyon County detectives. My suspicion so far, this seems like a premeditated act. I don't want to say much more because I need to keep the investigation on track. Um, Her mother, Diane, also theorized publicly about what likely happened. She said she was sitting in the driver's seat of the car getting ready to get out. She probably had her door partially opened or unlocked. She was getting ready to get out of the car and go to the bus. And an unknown male opened the driver's door, said or did something to make her slide over to the passenger seat. And then he got into the driver's seat and took off with her. He added that police initially didn't think it was an abduction, quote, because she just slid over in the seat and didn't resist. This is still her speaking. But I spoke to several of her friends who had been chatting with her on Snapchat minutes before this happened, and they said she had no plans to meet anyone. She was just going to work. My daughter is not very good in a crisis or an emergency. What she tends to do is freeze up and just comply. She's not a fighter. She's a lovely, sweet person, and she doesn't fight. She freezes up when she's scared, and that's probably what happened. That's the last time anyone saw or heard from her. So due to the, this is one of my biggest pet peeves with news articles, is the news station or whoever, they'll just re-edit the same articles and update them. So they kind of lose some of the original information. You know what I mean? Like, am I explaining that right? Yeah, and they even did that in this case with the police um, kind of releases as well. Like, I tried to actually find the very first mention of her being missing, and it's very hard because they've basically just edited and updated their original posts. Yeah, I know it happened to me with Delphi a lot, especially that one because there's so much gossip early on and things that were said early on. And then they just keep like updating the articles and you lose some of that original context. Yeah. So if anyone works for news stations, cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so it was, it's kind of been hard to tell exactly uh, like when it was noticed that she was missing, like things like that. I do vaguely remember reading that it took her brother a little bit of time to realize like she was not home because I think of. They're different, they're different work schedules, kind of. I did read that apparently she left, like, so she would have left home, let's say, at 4.30, I don't know, 4.45 a.m., let's just say that. And then apparently when she was due to come home that same day, he was already asleep. So yeah. I don't know how long her shift was, but maybe he was a shift worker as well. Um, but anyway, so he, he basically, there was kind of a day, at least a 24-hour period, where he didn't realize that she was missing. Yeah, so she went missing very early on Saturday, but she wasn't actually reported missing until the next day on Sunday, Sunday evening, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I, as far as I can tell from news reports, Sunday evening was when they really realized that something was wrong. Yeah. 
Diane, her mother, went on to say they confirmed that she missed her shift Saturday and Sunday, which was really unusual. Mm-hmm. My daughter was extremely reliable. Did you hear the cat that time? Yeah, just heard it. <laughs> the Lyon County Sheriff in Nevada issued this plea. He said, be on the lookout for a possible kidnapping victim in vehicle. The possible victim is Naomi Irian. She was last seen in the parking lot of Walmart in Fernley, Nevada, inside her vehicle on March 12th at approximately 5 a.m. That just goes on to state, like, the facts, her name, Naomi Christine Irian, the vehicle that she she was in. It was a Mercury Sable 1992, blue, license plate number, etc. also went on to talk a little bit about the man that we mentioned being caught on CCTV lingering around the parking lot. That brings us to... We're on Tuesday, March 15th, which is three days after she was last seen. Naomi's vehicle was found abandoned near the Sherman Williams Western Emulsion Plant. And we looked up the distance between the Walmart and the location of the vehicle, and it's 0.8 miles away, which is pretty close. Weird that he would take her car, then to drive less than a mile away and abandon it. Police didn't disclose what was in the car, but they apparently found evidence that suggested Naomi vanished due to a crime so i don't know if they found blood in the car or maybe just like a mess like there was a struggle or what happened but they haven't said the lyon county sheriff's office said the vehicle has since been retrieved searched and forensically analyzed forensic evidence has been recovered and is being expedited for testing through the washu county forensic investigation section Police have said they found her car after pinging her phone, and that led them to the industrial park where they then found her car. More cell phone activity led investigators to the area of State Route 427 and Hill Ranch Road in a few days after Naomi vanished. Detective Cusmer said the phone activity went stagnant for about 10 minutes, and there's been no further cell phone activity. Her phone hasn't been found either. Police have said there may be a connection between Naomi's disappearance and a man driving a dark-colored 2020 or newer Chevy 2500 High County four-door pickup truck. Investigators believe the driver of this truck knows Naomi's whereabouts. There's a picture of the truck online that they were posting with her missing posters and things like that, and the background looks kind of deserty. There's a fence in the background. People, I don't know if this is true, but this kind of seems likely considering... Like, he abandoned her car 0.8 miles away from where he abducted her. Seems like this picture of the truck was taken near where her car was abandoned. People online noted that the fence in the background was the same. Not that it's a very unique fence. Very generic. It could be further down the interstate or something like that. But I would suspect that this guy must have had his truck there, drove her car close to the truck, and then they got into that truck and that's kind of what I'm guessing police saw on CCTV before putting this out there that they think that this truck was involved. The next day, March 16th, the day after her car was found, they issued a press release um, about the vehicle. Starts off with saying, you know, that Naomi was last seen in the parking of Walmart at approximately 5 a.m. Says the investigation now indicates that the suspect may be driving a dark 2020 or newer Chevy 2500. It also says the forensic evidence discovered to date continues to lead Lyon County investigators to believe Naomi's disappearance is suspicious in nature and that the driver of the above vehicle has a direct connection to her disappearance and her current whereabouts. On March 17th, Lyon County Sheriff's Office posted this statement on their social media. 
The Lyon County Sheriff's Department is currently working with Pyramid Lake Police Department and the FBI in the area of Hill Ranch Road and Highway 427 in Wadsworth, searching the area for any possible evidence linking to Naomi's disappearance. We do ask that people avoid the area at this time. We are not requesting any assistance as to not damage any possible evidence. Thank you. So this location is around five miles from where Naomi's vehicle was found. On March 18th, Naomi's brother Casey spoke to ABC and said, We can't lose sight of what's really important, and that's Naomi's life and time's ticking. We're out of time. The next release from the sheriff was the following day on March 19th. This one, they released a few little non-update updates before this one, but this one had a little bit more information. So it says, The search continues for Naomi Irion, who went missing on March 12th, 2022. The search has increased in size and scope to include law enforcement agencies from the local, state, and federal levels. Large-scale searches for Naomi have been conducted over the past week by law enforcement agencies and hundreds of local citizens. As a recap, Naomi was last seen in the Walmart. Like We know the recap. Um, it says, during the course of the investigation, evidence was discovered leading investigators to believe Naomi's disappearance is suspicious in nature. Um, the Lyon County Major Crimes Division is asking for help by those persons who have been present in the Walmart parking lot at the time of Naomi's disappearance. We're providing a video clip showing parked and moving vehicles in the Walmart parking lot within visual distance of Naomi's vehicle in minutes before she was abducted. The suspect is seen on this surveillance video pacing on the east side of the building. At times, the suspect is seen walking directly in front of the vehicles and their headlights. If you were in the East Walmart parking lot between 4.30 and 5.30 a.m. on March 12th, 2022, and have not been directly contacted by law enforcement, please contact Lyon County Sheriff's Office Major Crimes Bureau. And then it goes on to say that they're seeking help identifying the suspect and if you have information, um, what phone numbers to contact. On March 22nd, the Lyon County Sheriff's held a press conference. They said they were getting hundreds of tips per day, and they also confirmed that they were still forensically processing Naomi's vehicle. Naomi's parents had flown to the USA from South Africa, and they were at the press conference. Her mother said, please save my daughter, bring her home. As of March 23rd, 2022, the FBI became involved with Naomi's case. Their poster about it says, details. Naomi Christine Irion was last seen in the Walmart parking lot in Fernley, Nevada on March 12th. At 5 a.m. when she was abducted by a nondescript male who entered the driver's seat of her vehicle. Three days later, Naomi's vehicle was located next to the Sherman Williams Western Emulsion Plant. Naomi has not been located. Weird how they put nondescript male. Like, that's just a weird... He really thing. was nondescript, though. I know, but, like, you could have just said male. That's it. I guess, I don't know. I, I don't know. It just seems they... like a weird word to include. <laughs> They haven't even really mentioned his clothing or anything. Yeah. Like, I know that they released pictures and stuff, but like he's wearing definitely a gray hoodie of some sort. I feel like there's like more that. relevant information they could have added about him into that rather than just nondescript. Yeah, even just like dark clothing, yeah. hood. We also learned that Naomi was very active online with a few different social media accounts. She has two Instagram accounts. One is private, so we're not really sure what she posts on there. Her other Instagram is open, and we'll link it on the blog, but just some selfies, nothing, yeah, nothing overly crazy. fascinating about it. Her family has said that Naomi also had accounts on dating apps like Tinder, Hinge, and Bumble. 
It was revealed that Naomi went on a date with someone she met online the day before she disappeared. Online comments say that police spoke to her date and do not believe he is involved. I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen anything further about that. Um, police haven't confirmed who the guy was. You know, it's it's just kind of a bit blurry in terms of that information at the moment. Maybe more will come out as the investigation goes on. But, yeah, it seemed at the time that it was strange timing for her to go on a date the day before she vanished. But I don't know. I don't know if it'll. And like a date with someone that she would have met online probably hadn't really known or met before. So yeah, definitely seemed like it could have been a red flag, but. In the end, maybe nothing. We still don't know. According to Naomi's family, until this year, she had never driven or gone on dates freely. She was meeting people online and at work, just like other teenagers and adults. A search was planned for March 26, which will mark two weeks since Naomi disappeared. Her brother Casey is working to organize the searches. He said he would like to focus any searches in the 10-square-mile area north of I-80 and east of the reservation. He said, if you can, form groups. Reach out to other people. We need your help. We're overwhelmed. Anybody that has search and rescue experience, get in contact. I would love to coordinate. When asked about how critical information from the community is, Sheriff Hoonwill said, once we catch that big break, hopefully we can bring Naomi home. We're now at Friday, March 25, which is 13 days after Naomi vanished. A man was arrested in connection with her disappearance. It did seem to kind of come out of the blue. Obviously, the police had been working on it, but there was no indication that this man was going to be charged until it just was blasted everywhere online. Seems like they gave us a lot of non-update updates and suddenly an arrest was made. Yeah, I feel like they've done that a lot in this case. With all the big things, you don't actually, like, you know, in most cases it kind of leads up and you can see where it's going. In In this case, all the big updates are really just blasted, you know, with no warning. Yeah, because they didn't, even with, like, what was found in the car, they gave us no, um, like, impression of what happened at all. Like, yeah. I know in other cases you see and they'll be like, they found blood in the car, like, blood in the house, but they literally gave us nothing, so no one really knew what to expect. So the man who was arrested was Nevada man Troy Driver. He was 41 years old at the time. There were lots of photos online on the day that he was arrested of p- police going to his house in Fallon, Nevada. They even had a SWAT tank at some point, which was a bit strange. I don't know what that was. It didn't seem to actually do anything. It was just parked on the side of the road. Troy's Chevrolet Silverado high country truck was photographed being towed away um, for examination. And I also saw that they impounded his work truck as well. Sheriff's officials said in a news release, we have located the truck in question and it has been impounded and taken into evidence. Overnight, a suspect in the alleged kidnapping of 18-year-old Naomi Arian taken into custody after a nearly two-week nationwide manhunt. I'm so excited and joyful, yet I'm super terrified because we still don't have her back. The county sheriff's office identifying the suspect as 41-year-old Troy Driver of Nevada, now being held on charges of kidnapping. Authorities also impounding a pickup truck they say was possibly involved. Emotions running high for the missing teenager's family. Definitely optimistic. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel in my heart of hearts that Naomi is alive. Authorities still searching for Naomi, who was last seen in these images, visiting a Walmart in Fairleigh, Nevada, on the morning of March 12th, the day she went missing. So as soon as his name had been released, media outlets managed to dig up a fair bit of information on his background. Troy was born on April 20, 1980. 
When he was 17, he was living in Ukiah in California. He was convicted following a string of robberies after admitting involvement in the murder of a drug dealer named Paul Rodriguez. There's some information about the crime that comes from newspapers.com. It said he, as in Paul Rodriguez, was shot to death in the driveway of the driver home by his 18-year-old girlfriend, who I believe was Troy's sister. Troy, driver, and another teen stuffed Rodriguez's body into the trunk of a car and dumped it off a highway. Um, yeah, so it says that driver's sister, who, whose name was Charlotte Renee Driver Cassidy, also referred to as Charlotte Driver, was also convicted in connection with this death. Um, there's an article in the Ukiah Daily Journal from 1997, and it said that Rodriguez was a methamphetamine dealer and that Troy also pleaded guilty to three charges of second-degree robbery of a Circle K convenience store as well as Chevron gas stations, and that he also broke into a hardware store. He admitted to using a firearm, and he was sentenced to 15 years for those crimes and for his involvement in Rodriguez's death. So I feel like this is setting the kind of tone for the rest of his story. He seems like a very violent, aggressive man um, and, you know, going all the way back to when he was a teenager. Career criminal. Yeah. So at the time of Naomi's disappearance, Troy was employed by a company called Leadcore, which is what his LinkedIn said. Uh, from what I've read, Leadcore does deal a lot in mining um, and there are quite a lot of mines in Nevada. Troy worked for them as a safety coordinator and a project supervisor. <clears throat> his LinkedIn is probably taken down now, but I did get a screenshot and his most recent activity is a quote that said, I'm not impressed by your money, position or title. I am impressed by how you treat others. So when his name came out, people who had worked with Troy in the past started commenting online and there was one kind of conversation thread on the Lyon County Sheriff's Post and basically it was about Troy's behaviour and actions towards his co-workers this year. And someone was writing that Troy had harassed her and, you know, when asked if, she, if anything happened, she wrote, he was a superintendent lead. I went to another superintendent lead, but nothing was done. And that's why I left lead core. And this all, the behavior that this person was talking about happened very, very recently as in this year. So it seems like maybe there were some things going on with Troy recently too. Um, I also read some comments online that say, and this obviously isn't verified, but it is online, that Troy was at searches for Naomi. Someone wrote, he was most definitely at the search last Saturday. My daughter and I both remember him. So, you know, again, not sure if it's true, but could be interesting if it, do if it does end up being correct. Like pretty basic looking, but also pretty recognizable because he's missing part of his ear. Yeah, like so. in his mugshot, you can see it's like it looks like it's been cut off. He's missing yeah, the like tip of his the ear. Top, yeah. The top half of his ear is like gone. Yeah. So on the Friday night after Troy was arrested, the FBI changed Naomi's classification on their flyers to a kidnapping. I believe before that it had been an abduction. So, you know, I think a lot of people maybe think they're the same thing, which they aren't essentially. Um, one definition from the Britannica Dictionary Online says that kidnapping is a criminal offence consisting of the unlawful taking and carrying away of a person by force or fraud or the unlawful seizure and detention of a person against his will. I know some of the other kind of definitions of kidnapping do involve ransom and extortion and things like that, but I guess basically for me I figured that it was changed to a kidnapping because maybe, and obviously this is just my opinion, this hasn't been proven yet, but maybe he did know Naomi somehow, maybe they had met online and he you know, coerced her and made him let her him into the car based on some kind of false pretense. 
Yeah. That's, I don't know, that's my thinking possibly about why that would be. I just, I don't really know what I think still, but I just think it's weird that they use kidnapping specifically. I feel like you don't see that a lot, especially on FBI posters. It usually says abduction or missing. Especially for an adult Um, too, I would think. Like, Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people are wondering what it could mean. A lot of people, like you were saying, some definitions say that means that there was like a ransom wanted. Could it have to do something with her dad working in the State Department? Not that I think he's a powerful person. I don't think. Um, I don't really know exactly what he does. Hasn't really been said in detail. But some people are wondering about that. I don't know. Just something to take note of. I wonder too, I don't, and obviously I'm not from the US, but I wonder if there's maybe a difference in charges between kidnapping and abduction. I don't know. Maybe just that might be part of the reason why they did it. Yeah, that's true. So as of Saturday, March 26, police issued this statement about Naomi. It said this is still a very active investigation and more information will be released as it becomes available. Naomi has still not been located and we are continuing to search for her and for information. So online I saw that there was a lot of comments about aircraft that were still out searching for Naomi on the Saturday. They seem to be concentrating on an area near Pyramid Lake which is north of where her phone last pinged. So on the flight radar app, you can see these planes kind of going back and forth and the, you know, the trail and mark that they were taking, I guess, in this search for Naomi. So after Troy was arrested, things kind of seemed to slow down. There didn't seem to be too much happening. Naomi still hadn't been found. There were still some searches being organized um, and Brian Enton, kind of entered the case, he flew to the area and interviewed the family, and we've got a clip here. He's a, our favourite reporter, for those who don't know. <laughs> it's funny because we are actually talking about it before he got involved. We are like, we wish Brian would go and do something. <laughs> and then he yeah, did. He's, <laughs> he's great because he got big with the Gabby Petito case because he would go live from outside Brian's house. He's really good at updating. He's good at interviewing people, at talking to the families. So whenever he's involved, you know you're just going to like start finally getting some information. Because once Troy was arrested, there was really no official updates at all yeah. for days. And, and I think it's important to note, too, that police or the family both said that Troy wasn't talking. He wasn't giving up any um, information about where, no- where Naomi was. So it just kind of seemed to stall for a few days maybe after he was arrested because there was just nothing yeah. else to go on. It seems he may have the information you need. Probably. Probably. And I understand that he has a family. He has a daughter. And I can imagine that a man who is a father to a little girl could go out there and take someone else's little girl away from them. I just don't understand. I want him to try and put himself into our shoes and how we feel. How would he feel if this happened to his little girl? He needs to give up her location and give her back to us. So um, Troy's arraignment was held on March 30, which was yesterday. Naomi's entire family attended the court. The Zoom link for the arraignment was made public before the session started, but Troy's attorney was upset about this and said, quote, that the court may have lost control. 
The attorney was also mad that they weren't, weren't notified that the media would be in attendance at the court. I think I read that they believed there'd be one camera there, but there was a ton of people, so they were a bit upset about that. But also, the police did put out a statement about this, um, what is it, why am I out? What is this called? Like arraignment court? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the police, the Lyons County Sheriff's, they put out a little blurb on Facebook about this arraignment and it literally said on there like media and the public were allowed, but space was limited. So it's like, well, they posted on Facebook, attorney. <laughs> it's not like it was a secret. And they posted it the day before. It wasn't like they posted it the morning of. The Zoom link I know was there and ready the day before because someone sent it to me. So they were very prepared and very open and transparent about who was going to be there. So I feel like this might have been some maybe type of stalling tactic or something like that. For sure. So Troy's bail was set at $750,000 and the prosecutor said that she did not object to that figure. Naomi's family didn't speak in court at the time, even though they were given the opportunity to. The judge stipulated that if Troy can make bail, he will have to wear a GPS monitoring device and that he wouldn't be allowed to contact Naomi's family. He would be banned from using drugs or alcohol and he wouldn't be allowed in Fernley, Nevada, except to attend court. So after this, his next court hearings were scheduled for April 5 and April 12. So right as I was kind of finalizing the notes for this episode yesterday, we're about to get ready to record. We got a real massive blast of crazy information and update. The There was a sheriff's press release that was issued and I'll just read it directly. It says on Tuesday, March 29, 2022, which was the day before. So we're at now um, Wednesday, March 30, when we get this update. Investigators from Churchill County Sheriff's Office, along with the detective from the Lyon County Sheriff's Office, responded to a remote part of Churchill County following a tip regarding the disappearance of Naomi Irion. Their investigative actions led them to a possible grave site. Washoe County Sheriff's Office Forensic Investigated Services team were contacted and responded to assist in processing the scene. The body of an adult Caucasian female was recovered from that grave site. The body was transported to the medical examiner's office for an autopsy and to confirm identification. On March 30, so the day the release was made, the remains were confirmed as those of Naomi. The family has been notified. No further information can be released at this time as this is still an open and an active investigation. We would like to extend our sympathy and condolences to the Erion family and thank all the volunteers for their hard work in trying to find Naomi and bring closure to the family. The Churchill County Sheriff's Office and the Lyon County Sheriff's Office will continue to work closely on, this, on these cases. The Churchill County Sheriff's Office has identified the body of Naomi Irian, an 18-year-old woman who was abducted in a Nevada parking lot earlier this month. Joining us now for more on this breaking development is News Nation's Brian Enton. Brian, good to see you. And you are there covering this story when this uh, discovery was made. The remains have now been identified. How did they find them? Yeah, this really is just heartbreaking, Rudabay. This all happened within the last hour. Uh, what we've learned from the Churchill County Sheriff's Office is that yesterday they followed up on what they called an investigative tip that took them out to a very, very rural part of the county. They found a grave site. They found a body. Uh, it was taken to the medical examiner's office, and today they were able to officially identify the body as Naomi's. You remember, we've been covering the story all week. She is an 18-year-old a woman. She is the daughter of a U.S. diplomat. She lived all over the world and recently moved here to Nevada to live with 
uh, her older brother because she wanted a more normal life. She was used to living on these American diplomatic compounds. She wanted to go to college. Um, she wanted to buy a car. She wanted to have a boyfriend. And she was in the Walmart parking lot back on March 12th when she was kidnapped. So Naomi's family made a few statements pretty quickly after her body was found. I do believe that they knew in court that a body had been found and it was likely to be her, which may be part of the reason why they didn't, they chose not to speak in court, especially because they've been so vocal every other day. Um, her brother Casey said on Facebook, I can't believe this. I'm at a loss for words. He also wrote, thanks to everyone for your support. Now comes a different kind of effort. Naomi was taken away from us far too soon. Her sister has a Twitter account, which has really been very, you know, vocal and at the forefront of this case. And she tweeted also saying, this is the worst day of my life. So we're now at the day following Naomi's remains being confirmed to have been found, March 31. There hasn't really been much more released about, you know, her cause of death or how they found the body or anything like that. Um, we do know that her remains were found 150 miles away from the Walmart where she was abducted from. Officials said they found the body on Tuesday night at around 9pm after they received a tip that led them to the area. And they've basically still said no further information can be found as it's still ongoing and an active investigation. I did read some comments online um, about Troy's movements after Naomi was abducted, and I have read that he did call in sick and had to leave work early a few times. Um, this did give me a little bit of hope when I read that before her body was found, obviously, that maybe she was alive and he was going to wherever she was being held captive. But I guess maybe now it was just more so that he had time to drive 150 miles each way and dispose of the body, do whatever he did to her. Yeah, hard to go to work when you're kidnapping and allegedly murdering someone yeah um brian enton did drive past the kind of general area today in churchill county it's very remote barren like lots of you know there's a few hills in the background but it's kind of just open plain desert basically so it seems like her body was really hidden in plain sight almost i don't know exactly where it was found hopefully we'll learn a bit more but he seemed to have driven her there specifically to dump her yeah and a few hours ago brian enton also tweeted um a photo of the house where troy driver's truck was found it said a man who said his driver's best friend came out and told us to get the fuck off the property he then talked to me for a while he says police have it wrong so uh, i don't know what that means maybe it'll be they'll be going along the lines of uh, it was an accident. Um, maybe Troy did name Naomi and something happened. We'd, like Obviously, we don't know. It's all speculation at this time. I did ask on Instagram if people had any questions about this case, and the question we got tons and tons of times was basically, did Naomi know Troy? Was this a totally random abduction? The answer is that we actually don't know. Um, I know her family have said that they don't believe they knew each other, but I feel like there's no way they could know that right at that time of making that statement if that makes sense like maybe they did know each other through a dating app or through some other online means I know Naomi had a pretty big online presence that her family didn't seem to be totally across so I don't think it's unfathomable that there's some way they could have been in touch and that Troy knew she was going to be there um you know um it could have just been someone that she had crossed paths with also in her daily life maybe he was someone who was 
at the Walmart a lot. I don't know exactly what she did at her job. Maybe it was someone that she had met through Panasonic. It could just have been like it's not that she had to not know them or know them. It could have just some been someone that she'd seen in passing would have recognized, you know, just could have been. Seems, it seems like she was a very friendly. Yeah, that's what I mean, like a very friendly person. So maybe she did encounter him randomly one day and he had been stalking her. Like there's a whole bunch of possibilities that we just yeah. don't know. Hopefully we will learn. And I know that her brother or her family have said that basically she followed that same routine every time she went to work. So if he followed her for a few days, he would know that she sits in the car and that she pulls up at this time and that she's distracted on her phone. So um I don't know. Maybe hopefully we'll learn some more as this kind of case evolves and the investigation continues. There's definitely a lot of unknown at the time that we're recording and the police have been very tight-lipped. Um, I know another question has been in terms of his bail and will it be changed because now this is probably a murder. Haven't heard anything about that. You know, I I'm, I'm, wouldn't surprise me if there's some different charges that will come and maybe that will impact the bail amount. But currently it's still the same and currently he's still not scheduled to appear in court until April 5th again. So if that changes, we'll post updates as they come. So when I was researching Naomi's case, I was reminded of a similar case um, that is a little bit older. It's the case of Kelsey Smith from 2007. She was also 18 years old when she was abducted from the parking lot of a Target store in Overland Park in Kansas. So the story of Kelsey Smith is that she drove to the Target to buy a gift for her boyfriend on June 2, 2007. It was for their six-month anniversary. Kelsey's last phone call was made while she was in the store. She called her mum and then she paid for her purchases and left. So there's CCTV of Naomi and there's also CCTV of Kelsey leaving the store. Um, if you've followed her case, you would know this photo. She's basically wearing looks like a pink or red tank top, black shorts. She's carrying what looks like wrapping paper and a bag with, I'm assuming, the gifts in it. So four hours after she was last seen on t CCTV, her vehicle, which was a 1987 Buick Regal, was found abandoned in a parking lot across the street from the Target. Her purse, her wallet, and all the items she had purchased were still in her car. So again, a similarity to Naomi's in that the cars were found very close from where they were last seen or abducted from. Police began to investigate by checking the CCTV from the Target. A man could be seen entering the store 30 seconds after Kelsey. Police described this man as white and in his 20s. He was wearing a white shirt and dark shorts. The man was seen in almost all of the same aisles as Kelsey and in almost he was also in all the footage that she was in. He did keep a distance though and he didn't appear to ever talk to her or approach her while she was in the store. When Kelsey reached her car, CCTV showed her being forced into the vehicle. It captured the vehicle also being dumped at 9.17pm that night, which was two hours after she was forced into the vehicle. A man could be seen in a white shirt and shorts running from the car, which was the same clothing that the person in the Target footage had been wearing. When they forensically um, examined her car, they found unidentified fingerprints on the seatbelt, so I'm glad he buckled up. That was a good... <laughs> Good, you know, good little bonus for this case. Following the rules. <laughs> yeah, probably some rules, I guess. Um, <laughs> Verizon apparently took four days to get Kelsey's cell phone records to police. A Verizon technician pinpointed a tower where Kelsey's phone last pinged and told officials to search within one mile of it. On June 6th, right after they got the cell phone records, Kelsey's body was found near Longview Lake in Grandview, Missouri. This was around 18 miles from the target where she was abducted from. 
Her autopsy concluded that she'd been sexually assaulted and that her cause of death was strangulation and she'd been strangled with her own belt. A woman called in a tip after seeing the CCTV footage of the man in Target and she recognised the man as her neighbour. On June 6, 2007, police arrested 26-year-old Edward Edwin Roy, and he was also called Jack, so he had a few names, Hall of Olathe, Kansas. Is that how you say it? Olathe? That's how I would say it. Okay, that's fine. Um, so Edwin was in the process of leaving town, which isn't suspicious at all, with his wife and four-year-old <laughs> son. They were allegedly going on vacation when the police arrived. He was charged the next day, which was June 7, with premeditated first-degree murder and aggravated kidnapping. He had no adult criminal record, but he did have a juvenile record of assault. Edwin had been adopted at age seven, and then he had been returned to the state custody at 15 because he'd threatened his adoptive sister with a knife. He had also assaulted another boy by striking him in the, in the head with a baseball bat. Police do believe that Kelsey's abduction was random and that the two did not know each other. Edwin admitted to being at the Target store but said that he never approached Kelsey. This was a lie, though, obviously, because his fingerprints matched those that were found in Kelsey's car. On August 1st, so this case moved very quickly from June 7 to all this you know, for all this happening to August 1, Edwin was indicted by a Johnson County Kansas grand jury for murder, rape, and aggravated sodomy. These charges meant that he was eligible for the death penalty, but the district attorney declined to seek that out. He ended up pleading guilty to all charges as part of a plea deal. And we learned a bit more about the circumstances leading up to Kelsey's murder as kind of part of the plea. Edward noticed her in the Target parking lot and he noticed that she was alone. He then began following her around the store. He wanted to make sure that she wasn't meeting anyone in there. When he saw that she was about to leave, he went to his truck and got his gun. He waited until Kelsey was getting into his into her vehicle and she was distracted before he abducted her. He took her 20 miles away to the Missouri woods where he sexually assaulted and strangled her. On September 16, Johnson County District Judge Peter Ruddick sentenced Edwin to life in prison without parole. Edwin did apologize in court to Kelsey's family for his actions, which, you know, good for him, I guess. Kelsey's murder led to the establishment of the Kelsey Smith Act. The act is a law that states that cell phone companies can ping a phone if authorities determine the subscriber is in danger, and many U.S. states have passed the law since it was established. A positive. Yeah, one good thing, I guess, to come from a horrible situation. Stories like this and with Naomi, I don't know if it's the same circumstances, but it just makes you realize that being a girl sucks sometimes. Yeah. Like, it's it's scary. You just never know when you're going to cross paths with someone. Kelsey was literally just shopping at Target, and some guy was like, I'm going to rape and kill her, all because she was there and looked cute. And was alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I feel like we don't obviously know as much about the circumstances in Naomi's case, and it could very well end up being a random abduction. But in Kelsey's case, it actually was 100% random, and he just decided in that split second this was what he was going to do. Just like you can't even go to Target, the store, your job by yourself without being at risk. Yeah. You literally never know what's going to happen. It just feels, being a girl feels unsafe a lot of the times. Yeah. And even, yeah, it's when I was researching a lot of this, which we'll get into soon, there's a lot of safety tips for for women. Like there's never just a general safety tip. It's always safety tips for women. It's um, like, like I know guys can be victims of crimes too, but- it's usually women. Yeah. In, the, in these types of crimes, it's usually women. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I thought this episode might be a good time for us to discuss ways, even though we shouldn't have to discuss this, but ways that we can stay safe while we're in our cars or in parking lots or in kind of a similar situation to Naomi and Kelsey. I think the number one tip is to lock your doors. Um, I do it anytime I'm sitting at lights. My kids are always like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just locking the doors. It's fine. <laughs> or if I'm sitting in a stationary car for any reason, like, you know, and always, we've also spoken about this in the past too, make sure your car is locked while you're getting gas. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are walking to your car in a parking lot, make sure that you're aware of your surroundings. Don't have your earbuds in or your earphones. Don't talk on your phone. Um, keep an eye out and because I've read that parked cars can provide good hiding spots for someone, you know, if there's a car parked next to you, someone could be crouching down next to it. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. Um, always park as close as possible to the front doors of the store and make sure that you park in a well-lit area. When you are in the vicinity of your vehicle, if your car has it, keep your finger on the emergency alarm button on your keys just in case. And you should also probably reverse into a car space as this means you'll be able to pull out as quickly as you can if you do need to get away, if you see someone approaching or, you know, anything like that. Then the other thing that I thought is a good idea is to get a dash cam, preferably one that, you know, is like movement um, activated or something like that so that it would be a recording if something is happening around your vehicle. Yeah. Um, I used to work at a mall when I worked in retail and I was pretty much always the closing shift, so I'd always get out at like 10, 10.30 at night. And walking to my car, I'd always be so nervous because it was dark out and it was kind of closing. So like people were leaving or people would just be lingering around outside. And I got one of those little, um, I'm sure you've seen them before. They look like little cats, but they have really pointy ears. Yes, yes. You put like your fingers in the eye holes. So that way if anyone attacks you, you could have hit them with it. Yeah. And I also used to have pepper spray. Um, Again, all things that in a perfect world we wouldn't need, but. If the situation ever arises, definitely good things to have on you. When I've um, been kind of scrolling through Instagram, lately I've seen a lot of different videos about the safety keychain. So you can get ones that kind of have pepper spray and alarm, like a pointy thing to, you know, if you ever did need to protect yourself, you could use that. They look very pretty. You know, they're pink, they're pretty, but um yeah, this isn't an ad, by the way. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I have, I haven't got one yet. But you know, there's tons of different companies out there that you could find something similar if you wanted to, if you, if you thought that would be helpful to you. And even it just gives you a little bit more security. Like you feel a little bit safer knowing you have it just in case. Yeah, definitely. Since we have been recording, there has actually been an update in Naomi's case. Uh, the Churchill County Sheriff's Office released a statement 22 minutes ago. I'll just read it out. It says, The Churchill County Sheriff's Office, along with the Lyon County Sheriff's Office, is investigating the death of Naomi as a homicide. The exact cause of death is known, however, cannot be released at this time, as the circumstances around the event, if released, would compromise the ongoing investigation. The grave site where the body of Naomi was found and recovered was located in the area of Coal Canyon Road within Churchill County. No further investigation can be released at this time. Um, and it basically says they will release updates that do not compromise the investigation um, as they are available. I did have a look at this Coal Canyon Road and interestingly, it's right near a prison, the Lovelock Correct- Correctional Centre. Um, there is a road called Prison Road that intersects Coal Canyon Road. So, um, 
it's interesting. It looks like a very long road though, so I don't know exactly where it was where Naomi was found or where the scene is, but does look very desolate, very remote as we expected. So not really shocking. I think we all suspected it was a homicide. Yeah. But I'm I'm interested to find or to know why they won't release the cause of death. They usually can say that. Like that usually doesn't impact anything, but I don't know. I guess they're just being really, really closed-lipped with this one. I don't know what it would affect because usually it was just to avoid false confessions mm. when they wouldn't release like the cause of death or like the weapon used, things like that. Um, but if they have, I'm guessing it has to do with something with the fact that Troy is not speaking and is obviously pleading not guilty, but I don't know. Oh, they, you they, have to wonder if, if maybe he is going down the path of this being an accident or... Um, do you know what I mean? So maybe that's why they're not releasing it, just to, to see what happens with that part of the investigation. Maybe, yeah. Like if his friends out there saying they've got it wrong, they've got it wrong. You have to wonder what that means. Well, what else is his friend gonna say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did it. <laughs> yeah, well, then, like, but why? Like, I just feel like there's a reason why he actually worded it as if he says police have it wrong. So that leads me to think maybe there's going to be some type of story that the death wasn't a murder. Maybe. I don't know. Very mysterious. I just had a look at Cold Canyon Road on Street View. It's a sad place to be dumped. It's very yeah, remote, flat, just barren. It's a sad end for Naomi. Yeah. But if there's any other updates, like I was saying before, we'll either put in a clip or if it's something big, we'll record again. Um, so we shall see. Very sad ending. It was almost an unexpected ending for me. I really thought there was a chance she could still be alive. but A lot of people messaged Instagram and were saying that today that they were really holding out hope. I mean, people always do. But I don't know, with this one, I think maybe because they weren't releasing so much information yeah. where it wasn't like, oh, she was deaf. Like, there was, they weren't like blood was found. So there was always just like that little bit of hope that maybe he was just keeping her somewhere or something or My something kind of else happened. Or- naive hope was that maybe she'd run away and maybe he had helped her and that's why he wasn't talking. I know obviously that wasn't going to be, but there was always that small glimmer of hope that, that maybe that was what was going on. Yeah, but it seems like not the case. No, very, very sad for her and her family. Yeah, Um, but that is it. That's it. Everything, all the statements, pictures, CCTV, anything that we've talked about in this episode will be on our blog at truecrimesocietyblog.com. You can check out our forum at truecrimesociety.com. I was just seeing how, with this case, I was reading the thread on it on the forum and a bunch of people were saying how they like it so much better than Facebook because people say things besides praying and the same comment over and over again. So even if you don't want to comment on the forum, if you're scared, it's definitely worth reading because it's more, you put more effort into joining. So it's people who actually like to talk about crime. Not just someone you know who's I mean? just come across it and randomly yeah. like they should comment. They've actually made an effort to yeah participate. Have an account. Yeah. yeah. So definitely worth reading at least. And then maybe one day if you feel brave, make an account, do some commenting. Um, our Instagram is True Crime Society. We're always posting updates on there. In our stories, um, good way to stay up to date on cases, especially when there's a big case going on. 
We'll just post all the little updates from different reporters on there. You can follow our personal accounts. Mine is StephSum underscore. Olivia's is TCS Olivia. And they're both tagged in the True Crime Society bio, so you don't have to... I know you're scrambling to write them down because you just really want to follow us, but you don't have to write down. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Um... If you haven't left us a review or rated on Apple and Spotify, do that. And, of course, please share, post on your Instagram story, tell a friend, subscribe to the podcast. All those things are big helps to us. Another big help is if you could check out our sponsors. For this episode, there was Anna Luisa, there was Little Spoon, Microdose Gummies, and Thuma. So they will all be in the episode description. Um... There's also a highlight on our Instagram with our sponsor codes as well. So check those out if any seem interesting to you. It's you can get some really great us. deals when you use our code too. So if any of the products interest you, make sure you use the code when you check out. Mm-hmm. And that's really it. I'm sure I will be back here recording an update <laughs> <laughs> or something. Hopefully yeah. anyways, I do hope we get an update. But yeah. otherwise, we will chat with you guys next week. See ya. Bye.